want to do something a little different this morning, since it's a missions conference. I would like to open with a word of prayer, but how we do it in Ghana. And what we often do in Ghana is we sing our prayer, or we add them together. Uh, so if you, would, if you know the song with me, let us all stand, and we're going to sing, Turn, uh, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. It's on. Not high enough? I've got it turned on. Are you ready? Are we good? No. We can go without it. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee just a closer walk with thee granted jesus it's my plea daily walking close to Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Father in heaven, we are weak, but you are strong. I pray that our prayer today and every day would be that we would just be closer and closer to you. Father, a lot of mission work has been done in the power of human flesh. And I pray that this church would do, as Brother Curtis said, that which is beyond power, their power. That, that close walk would help us to rise up and do what only his strength can do. Now, Father, I pray that you'd help me this morning, for I am weak, but you are strong. Help the message to be the message from you and help me as I give the message you've given to me. In the name of Jesus, we bind Satan and his forces from our hearts and our minds, and we put the blood of Jesus Christ as our protection and our, and our shield. And Father, I pray that those who have ears to hear would hear your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to turn this morning, I think we got it, the, turn this morning to the book of Esther. I'm going to teach this morning, may end up preaching a little bit, I don't know, but I'm going to teach this morning missions from the book of Esther. It is amazing to me as I, as I read and study the Word of God that the New Testament is just another revelation of the Old Testament. Or we could say that we can't fully understand the New Testament without the Old Testament. We can't fully understand the Old Testament without the New Testament because God's Word is complete. Amen. 
And so we find here a story in the book of Esther, and really we would need to read the whole thing, which obviously we cannot do, but we're going to take some parts out, and I'll tell you a few things about the story, and we're going to apply that today to missions. The title of the lesson this morning is The Teacher, The Ruler, The Message, and The Messenger. The Teacher, The Ruler, The Message, and The Messenger. Let's turn in verse 1, Esther chapter 1 and verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this is Ahasuerus which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, a major, major area. Over 107 and 20 provinces in those days when the king Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan the palace. In the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all the princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, the nobles and princes of the provinces being before him, which he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even an hundred and four score days. So a hundred and eighty day feast. Imagine that. We had one yesterday and people were saying, man, I'm sure full. hundred and eighty days. And let's stop reading there. And we're going to come and we're going to go through some passages of this scripture this morning, and I'll explain the story as we go. I think many of you probably know the story of Esther. Some of you may not. But I want to draw out those main characteristics from this story. And so we're going to draw out the teacher, which is going to be Mordecai. And then we're going to draw out the ruler, which is going to be Esther. And we're going to draw out the messenger, which is, we don't know to this day. The story of Esther is a story of redemption. The story of Esther is a story of the providence of God. The story of Esther is a story of the sovereignty of God. The story of Esther is a story of self-sacrifice by free-willed man. The story of Esther is a story of faith. The story of Esther is a story of the salvation message. And the story of Esther is a story of salvation. In this passage, we have, as I said, the teacher, Mordecai, and we're going to discuss about him a little bit later, the ruler, we're going to talk about Esther, and the message. And in this passage, we find out there are two messages, and like we have in our world today that's been since the beginning of time, there is two messages. The first message is that all are condemned to die. In the book of Esther, we find out that a message went out to all the kingdom that God's people, the Jews, were condemned to die on a certain day at an appointed time. It is appointed unto men's wants to die, and after this, the judgment. They were going to be judged or die a death, and that message had gone out through all the provinces. And that is our world today. While men don't always know that, that message, it speaks in, very, in, in the very nature of mankind and, and what we see in this world today. It is a story of damnation. It is a story of, of persecution. It is a story of, of destruction. We go and we find civilizations without Christ, and that's what we always find. But then we find out that there is another message in our world today and in this book of Esther, and that message is... This is what has been decreed by the judge, the king, the ruler. But there is another message, and if you know about the second message, then you can be spared from that judgment. 
And that's what we find in our world today. That there is, a, there is a decree that has been made by sovereign God that said, man has sinned, man has done wrong, and therefore he is condemned, he is damned to hell. And he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's not in the future. That's not when somebody's thrown into hell. But right now, those who do not have the Son, the wrath of God is abiding upon them. They are literally the enemies of God. One of the things I, I, I felt like helped our people the most understand in the villages of, of, of the condition of the need of salvation because they were so believing in their good works was if you don't have the son, the wrath of God is already upon you. Satan was the enemy of God. And when you choose Satan's way, you choose to side with Satan and therefore you are against God. But there is a message that can go. There is another message and you can have freedom from that destruction if you believe in the message then we have the messenger i want us to keep it in perspective this morning as i get into the story this morning i want us to keep it all in perspective because we're going to talk about different people in this story and we're going to we're going to go through some things about them that we're going to find out maybe you and i what what we fit in one of these three categories all of us fit in one of these. We're either the God has made us a teacher, God has made us a ruler, or God has made us a messenger. And all of us have a place in that, but it's very important as we look at all these characteristics, and maybe God will show you where you are or what he has for you, but that we realize that wherever we are, and we're going to point out some things in the story, we have been placed in our position to bring about the redemption by God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. I think for mission work, for church work, for any work, these three verses are a constant reminder necessary of our perspective of which we are in the story. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time. Until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have, I have, I have in a figure transferred to myself. So Paul is telling himself, God told him, and so he's preaching a sermon to himself. And to Apollos, another big name, this, this goes back to the thing of, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos. I have transferred to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written. That no one of you be puffed up one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? It's a question with an automatic, assuming you know the answer, God. Who made you to differ one from the other? We get into this story and we find out who made Mordecai different from Esther? Who made Esther different from the messenger? Who made the messenger different from those? God. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? You know that the teacher was given the gift of teaching by God. The ruler was given the gift of ruling and put into a place by God. 
The messenger was giving a message to give out of hope and salvation by God. And so Paul is saying, hey, why are we puffed up on against another? Why are we boasting? Why are we saying, I, I am this, I am that, or I am the ruler, or I am the teacher, or I am the messenger? Hey, the, God says, what do you have that wasn't given to you? Nothing. Now, if thou didst receive it, if God gave it to you, why dost thou glory as thou didst not receive it? Thou hast not received it. In other words, why do we brag about something God has given us to do in his story of redemption? Because God did it. And in church work and especially in mission works, it is vital that we understand, hey, the time has not come. Judge nothing before the time. And hey, God has maybe placed me in this position or this position or this position. But here's what happens with us in our free will as men. God, what is your will for me? And the focus is me. You see, but this, what this story teaches us and what we can learn from this story is God had a plan before Mordecai, before Esther, and before the messenger. And God just was fine trying to find somebody who was willing to fall into that plan. God has a story of redemption for you. God has a story of redemption for your area. God has a story of redemption for your county, for your state, for your country, and for the for Judea, Samaria, and the innermost parts of the earth. But we often focus on God. What is your will for me? But the truth is, God already has a plan out there. He's just looking for a vessel to say, I have been given nothing, but whatever you give me, I will do it for you. I just want to fall into that story of redemption. I just want to be a part that when we look back later in that story of redemption, we can say, I had a part in lives being saved from destruction. This is a story of God's sovereignty. But it's in a story in which we will see the free will of man to choose whether he wants to fall into the plan that God has prepared. And this is a story we can, that we can see redemption completed. I submit to you this morning that the story of Esther is the story of the gospel. And it's very similar, and we can learn these valuable truths today. I want us to look at these three characters today and find out some mission principles. Number one, let's look at Mordecai. Turn to chapter 10, verse 1. Esther chapter 10 and verse 1. And the king Ahasuerus laid a tribute on the land, upon the land and upon the isles of the sea. And all the acts of his power and of his might and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai. The king laid a tribute upon him. And the acts of his power and his might, and a declaration of the greatness of who? Mordecai. It was not even a declaration of the greatness of Ahasuerus. It was the greatness of the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai. This is our teacher. Whereon to the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? Well, I'd love to find that chronicle. For made it more than other, I mean, I'm talking about 
outside of the Bible. We have it here. I'm talking about in, in, in discovering ancient artifacts. For Mordecai the Jew was next unto King Ahasuerus and great among the Jews and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people and speaking peace to all his seed. There's a reason why I read this first. What we find here at the very end of the book of Esther, we find Mordecai greatly exalted. And so we find out the teacher in his own right, actually became a ruler. But I want us to go back, because if Mordecai was there standing with me today, and I felt like Mordecai was saying, uh, uh, Brother Mike, I've got some problems, I don't know how to handle them, I would say to Mordecai, Mordecai, can you put yourself back so many years ago and see where did you come from? Let's look back at chapter 2 and verse 5. Now in Shushan the palace, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, of Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity, which he'd been carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. So we get into this story in Shushan the palace. And the king of Hazarus is over 100, 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia, a great kingdom. And we find in that palace there is a servant boy, servant man, that was carried away as a captive. Who do you think put him in that palace? God. How was it that of all these captive people, Mordecai was the one that was placed in that palace. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of captives and Mordecai is put in the palace. I would say to Mordecai, Mordecai, don't forget that the where you got your beginning was that God supernaturally in his sovereignty placed you in a position to allow you to do something in the story of redemption. And if not for God placing you in that position, you could have been working on a farm somewhere, being somebody's slave on that farm, and you would have never had an opportunity in that great aspect to be a ruler. But God looked down in his sovereignty and said, okay, this nation of Israel is taken captive. They are made slaves to the king, uh, to the king of Hazarus. But I'm going to take this man and I'm going to put him I've got a story of redemption that I need told. After that, as a, as a part of that, Mordecai is given this responsibility. Look at verse 7. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For he, she had neither father nor mother. Why? Probably they were killed in the battles that led to the captivity. And the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So we find this, that God takes Mordecai and he puts him in the, in the place he wants in Shushan the palace. But there's another plan of God at the same time. You know, God's sovereignty, he just takes 
thousands of little details and just goes like this. How can we boast of something we have not been given? God has put it together. And he puts a little girl with Mordecai because God has a plan for that girl also. But he charges Mordecai without Mordecai's realization of it. Train this girl to be the ruler that will bring about redemption. Sometimes, my friend, the position that God has given us in the story of redemption is to train up a child in the way they should go. I'm going to say this. I know it's not popular, but hey, Mom, you've got a job. You can do more for mankind in training up one child than you can ever imagine. Hey, Dad, is all those climbing the ladder, is that necessary, is that important? Or is it the child God has given you to teach? Many times I know myself that I, having five boys, living where we live, my wife is sick, my wife uh, comes down with something, or my wife has a child on the mission field, and who's got to help cook and clean and wash and teach children in school and all that? And there's a temptation from Satan to say, I'm called to the work! And God says, hey, Dad, I put you in the right place. Mordecai's first responsibility was to teach Esther. We'll find out later that she'll make some decisions, and I believe the reason why she made the decision she did was because of the teacher that taught her. Later on, we find out that Mordecai is given an opportunity of judgment and righteousness. Look at chapter 2, verse 21. I've got to hurry. Chapter 2, verse 21. And in those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king of Hazarus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree. And it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. Here we find a man that finds out, hey, these two men are rebellious they're going to go against the king. They're going to try to overthrow the kingdom. And Mordecai does what every Christian right person should do. We should do right. Amen. We'll find out later that a decision to do right for Mordecai is going to bring much persecution. And that's where we often waver as Christians when is this doing right going to create persecution? But we find out Mordecai in both situations where he turns these men in for being rebellious against the king and when he has the opportunity to choose obeying God or obeying man, he chooses God. There's a ruler named Haman and he comes and he wants everybody to bow down. And of course, we know from reading the Bible, the stories of Daniel uh, and, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and those, they, as, as believers in Jehovah God, they knew that you don't bow down to man, you bow down to God. 
Mordecai refused to bow. Don't, I don't believe at all for one moment that Mordecai was a proud man. I believe he said, I don't bow to a man, especially a man I know who is wicked, but I bow before the king of kings. And he faced persecution for that. But I believe in doing so, he was teaching continuously Esther. And of course, we find out later, he is exalted. Look at chapter 9, verse 4, quickly. And Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces, 127 provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. So once again, we find out we have a teacher who started out as a nobody, a captive in Shushan the palace, but God had put him in that place, and the major reason at that point that God had put him there was to teach one little girl named Esther. Later on, Mordecai is going to be exalted. But Mordecai needs to remember, where did I start and who put me here? Now let's go to the second one. We've got the teacher. Let's go to the ruler. We find out Esther, who is the queen. Let me tell you this real quickly for those of you who don't know the story. But the king had a queen and the queen disobeyed him. She refused to come before him when he recalled her. So he decided to basically get rid of her as the queen. And they, they set out, uh, went through all the provinces, 127 provinces. They went out looking for the, for the fairest young ladies. And they found all these ladies and maidens and brought them in. And they uh, were going to each have their chance to go before the king. And whichever one the king found favor in, she was going to be the next queen. And so in that process, this young girl, Esther, who Mordecai has raised up as a captive girl, is chosen as one of the fair young ladies. And she's brought in before the king's keeper to decide whether she's going to go before the king. She is chosen. As her time comes, she is chosen we find out that when she goes before the king, chapter 2 and verse 15 through 17, we won't take time to learn there, but we find out that when she goes before the king, she's allowed to take anything she asks for before the king to impress the king. Because I want to be the one chosen to be queen. But what does she do? I love this. She defies human logic. I believe because of her training, she said, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. She doesn't take all the things. The Bible says she only took with her what was already given to her. What every lady was already given automatically, that's all she took. And the king delighted in her. Let me ask you this question. How do you think that of all those girls, and she not taking anything extra to impress the king that she was chosen. Do we think it's a coincidence? Do we think that maybe she was the most beautiful? Could be. I tend to think that God, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. He said, king, this is the one. King, She's not bringing all this extra stuff. She's not going to weigh you down later on by asking for so many things. She's content. This is the one you want. And God, I believe, told Ahasuerus, 
choose this girl because he had a story of redemption that he wanted to fulfill. And he put in the palace Mordecai and he had him teach Esther and he had Esther defy logic, not do what the world would do and say, I've got to put all my ducks in a row and I've got to make the good presentation and I've got to make sure that I have everything ready. But she just said, I am just going to be who I am and let God choose whether I should be here or not. And she's taken. Her humility of being willing to go humbly is now an exaltation. Now she is the queen of all this massive kingdom. And she's given an opportunity to lead. But I want us to find out this important principles for any ruler that God puts in his story of redemption. Look at chapter 2 and verse 20. Esther had not yet showed her kindred nor her people that she's already queen, as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther did the commandment of Mordecai, like as when she was brought up with him. We've got a queen who has power over 127 provinces queen. Mordecai says, Esther, this is what you need to do. And you know what would be temptation for all of us? Who are you? I'm the queen. And you're telling me what to do? But the Bible says that even though she was queen, just like when she was being raised, she still listened to Mordecai. And you know... It's a great lesson for any ruler, if God ever makes you a ruler in his story of redemption. That doesn't mean that we still don't follow. It doesn't mean that there's still not a place, especially to those who have mentored us to say, okay, I won't. Esther was given a test. Verse 14, chapter Three, 2 verse 14. I'm sorry, I've got the wrong verse here. Let me, let me tell you about the test. I wrote down the wrong passage. Esther is given a test. Now what, what has happened is a bad man, Haman, is going to destroy all the Jews and Esther is a Jew and therefore Esther also could be destroyed. And Mordecai comes to her and he says, Esther, you've got to deliver and of course she has the opportunity to say, I don't have to do anything. I'm the queen. Hey, I am set now. Why take a chance at losing what I have to help all you little people out there? And Mordecai says something to her like this. He says, I'm paraphrasing. Do you think you put yourself in that position? Do you think that you're in that position just so that you can be exalted and have pleasure? Or did God put you there because of this particular time? Does God want you to accomplish something in his story of redemption and therefore he has placed you there? And Esther, the truth is, is that if you don't do what God asks you to do, God will still find a way to preserve his people. But God has given you an opportunity to be a part of his story. 
I believe God gives us opportunities, as I said earlier. There's not a will for Michael Williams as in that's paramount. There is a story of redemption God is telling in this world today, and he wants Michael Williams to fall in wherever he needs to to help accomplish that story. And if I don't, does God need me? I believe God needs me. There was a time where I, God showed me supernaturally that he needed me, but I believe that his need of me was not because he needed me as much as he needed me to be needed. He needed me to get involved in his story of redemption because someday that's going to make a big impact on me. I've got to hurry. She chooses to side with her people, braves death, and is given the command that she can send out a proclamation or people will be saved. We've got to hurry. This is the last one, the messenger. Chapter 8, verse 17. And in every province and in every city, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, the Jews had joy and gladness and a feast and a good day. And many of the people of the land became Jews, for the fear of the Jews fell upon them. So here's what happens. The bad man wants to kill all of God's people, but God has put Mordecai in place. God has put Esther in place. And because of that, and because they don't puff themselves up with pride for where God is putting them, but they in humility do as God asks and risk all the fame and all the glory for God's kingdom, God sends a message, hey, everyone who is condemned to die on this day can be saved. But we have one more piece to the puzzle. The messenger. 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. How many cities do you think that is? I, I haven't actually studied this out, but just in my mind, I was thinking city, okay. Now, what about the villages beyond the cities? And the Bible says, in whatsoever providence it weighed, that that decree came, the messenger, the messenger of the Son, hey, here is your declaration. Go out and tell the people that there is redemption, that there's salvation. They don't have to die, but they can be delivered. Go out and proclaim. And the messengers went out throughout all the kingdom. And the Bible says, wherever they went, the story of joy and happiness and such came. Let me give you these three things real quickly, a uh, few things real quickly. Number one, my friend, we don't know one name of one messenger. We know who Mordecai is. We know who Esther is, but we don't know one name of one messenger. But let me ask you the question, would, what good would Mordecai have done? What good would Esther have done if there wasn't some little no-name-to-this-day messenger to say, I will take the message? And it doesn't matter if thousands of years later nobody knows my name because there's somebody who's going to die if I don't get that message The Bible doesn't tell us exactly, but the thought comes to my mind. It says in every place where the message went, it enters my mind. Was there a place where the message didn't go? Because if the message doesn't come, there's destruction. Sometimes God has for us to be the messenger. God puts 
Mordecai, the teacher in place. God puts the ruler in place, and God says, I need a lot of people that are willing to be messengers that don't care about their name ever being known. Just go and proclaim. I think today of a couple of churches in Ghana. I think of John Walters, who you saw the other night. I think of John Byam, who was around 60-something years of age and trusted Jesus Christ and had proclaimed, and I went to him to check up on him, and I asked him, I said, John, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? And he said, yes, I do, Pastor. And I said, how do you know that, John? He said, because I was in darkness, and I found the light. And I said, John, explain that to me. I wanted to make sure how he was really understanding. I said, John, explain to me what you mean when you said you were in darkness and you found the light. And he said, I was a man without God. I was never religious. I never followed God, but I have found Jesus Christ, and I found God. A few weeks later, I was going around through the village, and there's an old, old lady. I won't say how old she was, an old, old lady. And she came and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And I said, what are you thanking me for? And the translator asked her, and he said, John is her son. And she is saying that through you, John has found God. I think about those people and I think about the fact that because the messenger went, there is joy today. There is hope today. I promise you, my friend, yeah, you see the videos now and I get to stand up once in a while and people will say, wow, look, Brother Mike, what you have done. But I promise you, there's a lot of years of walking through the village just saying, God, nobody knows my name. Nobody cares about me right now. I'm alone without you, but God, I've got a message to give for you. I think of all the villages around the lake that have never yet heard the message of redemption. We need messengers. In conclusion, let me say this. Everyone has a part to play in the story of redemption. The teacher, the ruler, and the messenger. But the focus is the message. The focus is the message. And let us not worry whether God makes us the ruler or the teacher or the messenger. But let us just say there's a message that needs to be proclaimed. God needs us to be a part of that message. God, in his sovereignty, decided to use the free will of man. And he wants you to choose to be a part of his story. Everyone in this story is put in place by God. It's all laid out, and nobody needs the glory as though what we're doing in the story has not been given to us by God. Yes, I'm in the bush. I grew up in the bush. I did. When I grew up, if you want to go to Walmart, 
70 miles away. You want to go to McDonald's? 70 miles away. Now where am I? An hour and a half from KFC. <laughs> and that's only in the last year. <laughs> Who am I? I'm a messenger that God said, it's not about you. It's about the story of redemption. Will you go and will you give the message? Father in heaven,